It's time for a new series. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, one of my favorite themes is heroes. Um, how many of you love superheroes? Let me see. Raise your hands. Okay. Um, how many of y'all love the Marvel movies and stuff that come out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, me too, me too. Uh, we're going to talk more about that um, as the weeks progress, but I, I love this. And Let me just jump right in and say, to start off, that I believe that God wants to use your life to be a great testimony of his power. I believe that God wants you to be a great hero of faith. Somebody that will not only make an impact now, but will make an impact for generations to come, like Stu was praying this morning. I'll say it again. I believe God wants to use you to be a hero. You know, uh, we need heroes. We need heroes more than ever before. Gallup poll was done a little while back for children ages 13 to 17, and it found that just over 50% of those teenagers polled said, I don't really have any adults that I'd like to model my life after. And y'all, that's not good. We need models, we need mentors, we need heroes to be able to look up to. And and I love this, Say, our um, social media coordinator, has been online and she's been posting some of those hero stories that y'all have been sharing of the people that have made an impact in your lives. And we'll continue to do that as the series goes on. So look for more of those. I love love seeing that because that's what we need. Heroes, they they shape our lives, they shape our culture, they clarify our values. And the, the problem, though, the problem that we have is that we have somewhat of a distorted view of what makes a hero. In fact, I think that today we get the term hero and celebrity kind of mixed up a lot. But there's a big difference. And here's the difference. Celebrities make a big splash. They're all over everything for a period of time. But heroes, heroes come along and they make a difference. There's a lot of people that are celebrities that are famous, really, but they don't make much of a difference, right? They're kind of those celebrities that they're kind of here today and gone tomorrow. In fact, um, I realized this the other day. Every time I watch a movie, I'm always reminded of this. The most distracting thing that happens when I'm watching a movie is when I see somebody that I feel that I should know, but I don't know where I know them from. Does that ever happen to you? And like, you're watching this movie, you're like, I know I know this person, and where have I seen them before? And the problem for me is that I can't concentrate on the movie until I figure this out. Anybody else crazy like that? You got a little, yes, okay. So thank goodness for the IMDb app, you know. And I'll take it out, you know, I'll look it up while the movie's going. But once I, you know, once I find out who that person is and what he or she have been in before, then I can concentrate on the movie. But so many times what happens, I was, I was realizing this the other day, is that I'll look up an actor or an actress, a celebrity, and it's like, oh yeah, I knew them back when, or where have they been? It's been a while. You know, it seems like they're on the cover of everything for a brief moment, and then a few years' time... Nobody knows who they are or where they're from or what they're doing now. And, you know, honestly, our culture is filled up with celebrities, shooting stars that kind of fade away. But not enough heroes. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. You, you've probably never thought of yourself as hero material, but I'm here to tell you that you are, okay? This world needs you. God needs you. God needs you. To live out your purpose, okay? His purpose that he has planned for you. And whether or not you know it, people are looking up to you. People are looking to you 
to lead them and to show them what it means to be a person of faith. So I want to share a story with you this morning about two young men, probably who were just like a lot of us, and had no idea what they were capable of. No idea that they would turn into great heroes of faith. They had no clue what was ahead of them. But when the time came, man, they stood up. Courageously, they stood up and they took a stand. And they made such a huge impact. Their two names are Caleb and Joshua. Now, Joshua, you're pretty familiar with. I mean, after all, he's got a book after the Bible, you know, book in the Bible named after him. And if you've got a book in the Bible named after you, I mean, that's pretty much a, you know, skip to the front of the line at the pearly gates. Kind of, you know, I mean, that's a big deal, right? But Caleb, Caleb you may not be as familiar with. He was actually the one that first, that first stood up, that first stepped out in faith. And then I think Joshua was walking, watching Caleb, and, the, and then it gave Joshua what he needed to, to take that step forward. And it's amazing that these two ordinary guys, two ordinary people at this point in their life, were able to become such great heroes of faith. So... I want to share their story with you a little bit. This may be familiar to some of you. Others of you may not have ever heard this, but it's found in the book of Numbers. Numbers. Numbers is in the Old Testament towards the beginning. If you got your Bibles, you want to follow along, it's going to go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Uh, it's very, at the very beginning. But before we read this passage and before we get into this, let me just kind of set this story up, okay? And to set this story up, we've got to go all the way back to Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. You remember that story? Moses goes to Pharaoh, says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. Moses takes him anyway. They go through the Red Sea. They get on the other side, and then God drowns the Egyptian army. And that's the Cliff Notes version, right? There's a lot more that goes on to that. But after they're done, and on the other side of the Red Sea, that they wander around for a very, very, very long time. And finally, finally, they make their way to the edge of the Promised Land. They make their way to the edge of what should and would be their home. But they've been traveling for a long time getting to this moment. You know, for me, I, I kind of think that this might be what it's like taking a long car trip when my girls were little. You know, it sounds like a good idea until, it, you know, you've been on the road forever and after multiple stops for bathrooms and running out of, back then it was running out of DVDs for them to watch. And then later on when their teenagers are blowing up my phone, you know, you're paying for data. And so you're like, oh, this is going to be a huge bill. You know, so by the end of that trip, you're like, oh, I'm ready to be home. And these guys, they, they've been traveling for so long, they're just like, we're ready to be somewhere we can call home. So they get to that point. They've gone through this time. They've gone through arguments, ups and downs. And they get to the edge. And so Moses, what he does is he brings a leader from each of the 12 tribes. 12 of them. And he says, listen, I want you to go into this land. And I want you to scout it out. I'm going to send a scout team. You tell me what's in there, what's available, what's good, what's not. And then bring it back and let us know, Okay. So the 12 set out for their adventure. And they're gone for about 40 days. They travel for about 120 miles. Okay, when they come back to Moses, they got some things to report. And this is where we start. Numbers 13, 27. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. Okay. And it is indeed a bountiful country. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit 
that it produces. And then they lay some fruit down to show just how great the fruit was. I love this. Uh, I keep going back to VeggieTales because I, yeah, I grew up watching, you know, the girls. And when, when they bring this report to Larry the Cucumber and they say it's a land flowing with milk and honey, uh, Larry says, sounds sticky. Anyway, um, I, I think that's funny. Um, but there's a big but here. Okay, so it sounds great, honey, you know, milk and a lot of fruit. Let's go. Here's the but. But the people living there are powerful, they said. And their towns are large and they're fortified. We even saw giants, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites. They live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. And so they just go on and on and on and on on about all the people that are there and what they look like. This land, it's occupied by all these different types of people. And as soon as they said each one of these names, the Israelites knew who these people were and it scared them. The Amalekites, these are people that they've been fighting They've been fighting them for a long time. They know all about the Amalekites. And so when the 12 report that these people are in this land, everybody there that's hearing this report, they roll their eyes and they're like, not the Amalekites again. I don't want to have to face them again. And then you got the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites. Well, they all live in the hill country. Let me tell you, friends, I've lived close to the mountains and I've seen enough movies to know you don't want to mess with hillbillies, Right? <laughs> Probably rolling their eyes going, no way, mm-mm. And then the Canaanites are along the coast. So basically, this land is full of people from the coast to the hills, everywhere in between. And then, as if to make things worse, the scout team starts exaggerating what they've seen. They say things like, the people in this land, they are so big, they look like giants. They don't even look like humans. They look like they're descendants of the gods, or a type of god. They're huge. They say they're so big, they make us look like grasshoppers. It's kind of weird, but okay. We get the idea. So it's not sounding good. Let me take you back to that trip that you probably took with your family, that long trip that you were on. Imagine being 30 miles from home. You're almost there. And then your car breaks down. (laughs) They are so close to getting into their home. And then this happens. It just takes the winds out of their sails. They don't want to move forward. And not once did they mention that God told them to take this land. Not once did they mention that this was God's gift to them. Not once did they mention that God would be with them. We hear nothing of that. We hear a whole lot of fear, not a whole lot of faith. So finally, finally, one of those guys stands up. And he speaks out and he says this in verse 30. But Caleb, Caleb, tried to quiet the people as they stood in front of Moses. He said, let's go at once and take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. In fact, Caleb is so adamant about going into the promised land that what the Hebrew basically says when Caleb tried to quiet the people, basically that word in Hebrew means he hushed, he shushed the crowd. Have you ever been shushed before? Yeah, that's not a good thing, is it? Caleb stands up and he says, shush. And then he goes on to explain. No, 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 no. We can certainly conquer it. Why? Why does he believe that? Because God's with them. And then when he gets going, 
Joshua joins in, verse 14. So two of the men who explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of J, uh, Mr. J, tore their clothing. So this is what they did to express their anger and how upset they were, kind of like how you might stomp your feet or fold your arms. They would rip their clothes and they said, they said this to the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. and Don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are but helpless prey to us. They have no protection because the Lord is with us. So don't be afraid of them. The Lord is with us. When no one else wanted to move forward, when everyone else is scared, didn't have the faith that God would come through and help them conquer these giants, two men stand up. They dig in and they lay the foundation to be great leaders and heroes of faith. So here's where I want to go today. You see, I think being a hero is a choice. I think it's a choice that you can make. Everyone in here can make the choice to take a stand and be a hero. Joshua and Caleb made a choice that changed the direction of their lives, and you can too. So what kind of choices do we need to make? If you want to look at your message notes, we'll fill in some blanks together. So if you want to pull these out or um, go on the Ridge app for everybody that's online with us this morning, open up the Ridge app, we'll fill in some blanks together. Number one is this. Heroes are willing to stand alone. Heroes are willing to stand alone. They go against the crowd. They're willing to buck the trend. They're willing to swim upstream. They go against the flow. Now, I doubt you're going to have to take a stand and fight a war this week like Joshua and Caleb were thinking they would have to do. But you know what? You're going to have to face a battle. You got battles in front of you. You got ethical battles. You got moral battles. And let me tell you, friends, if you're a Christ follower, you're going to have spiritual battles. They're going to come for you. You're going to face some questions. You're going to face challenges. You're going to face temptations that deal with your integrity, that deal with what you believe about our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and what that means for you as a Christ follower. How are you going to handle those battles? Are you willing to do what it takes to stand alone for what's right, or are you just going to go along with the crowd? Exodus 23, Moses says this. He says, you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Now, what I've noticed a lot of times is that the crowd often moves in the wrong direction, if you've seen this. You see, I believe we have a chance every day to make decisions that, that demonstrate our character, that push us forward into being great heroes of faith. For example, adults. When it comes to adults, when everybody else is doing certain things in the company that aren't right, or maybe ripping the company off, or shady things here or, or there, or fudging the hours, or fudging the numbers, you can choose not to. When it comes to what society deems appropriate and acceptable, you can say, not my family. This is what we believe and this is what we stand for. For teenagers, teenagers that are looking for school to start back, right around the corner, if you're a student at school and other students are cheating or other students are using horrible language or other students are watching terrible things on your phone, on their phones, you, you can choose not to. You can choose to stand up and go against the flow and do what's right. 
You know, I think of college students. We've got a lot of college students that are starting off this next couple of weeks. You know what gets on my nerves? What gets on my nerves? A lot, because I've done college ministry, I've done youth ministry, and I've been in that time period of life with them for so long that it really makes me upset when adults are just willing to write off those college years. You know, just willing to just let them do whatever they want to and just accept underage this and that and whatever because, well, they're young and that's what they're supposed to do, right? It's amazing how people think that the college years are just supposed to be this wasteland where students are just supposed to give in to whatever pressure they face because, I mean, what do they expect? I mean, you know, what do you expect really that, that, that they can stand up at such a young age? And yes, I do. I expect more. You see, I I believe the Spirit of Jesus can give us the strength to be great heroes, to take a stand no matter where we are, to be a hero of faith and follow God's will at any age, at any time. In fact, the reason I bring this up is because I did a little research, and most scholars believe that Joshua was somewhere around 20 years old. Think Think about what you were doing when you were 20 years old. Joshua is just around his teenage years when he takes this stand. You're never too young. You're never too old to take a courageous stand and to be a hero for what you believe in. And Joshua would tell you that if you do it, God will bless you for it. So let's go back with where we started with this first point. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this first point. Are you willing to stand alone? Because it's hard to do. You know, we tend to think that this is something only for young people to hear, but no, that's not true. At any age, at every age, every stage in life, we all have this desire to fit in. We all want to be accepted. Satan will use that pressure, whatever it is, to push us. We all know that old cliche that says, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. So when it comes to people gossiping about others, will you take a stand? When it comes to most people believing that all religions lead to heaven, but you know that Christ teaches that the only way to the Father is through the Son, are you prepared to give your testimony like Peter says we're supposed to do? Are you willing to stand for what you believe in? Even though it's not the most popular position because all the great heroes of faith, they had to make a stand at some point. They had to do it. And sometimes it meant standing alone all by themselves. Noah, for 120 years, stood against the culture of their time, built an ark when no one knew anything about boats or rain or even God for that matter. Daniel, Daniel stood up to the king and was like, I know everybody else is worshiping you, but I can't. This is not what I believe in. He took a stand alone and faced the lion's den. Esther, Esther was facing something that she couldn't just look the other way from. And she was willing to take a stand. She didn't say, this is none of my business. She took a stand all by herself with Uncle Mordecai helping her out. And she saved her people. Became a hero that we still talk about today. You see, the, these choices, they, they make a difference. Real heroes are, are the ones that are able to make those tough decisions. And the first decision sometimes is realizing, you know what? <sighs> May feel like I gotta stand. 
You had to take a stand, and sometimes it feels like we're going to be alone on this. You know, I remember a story in Elijah. Elijah was praying to God, and he said, God, I feel like I'm all by myself. And God reminded him and said, no, you're not. No, you're not. There are still so many people that haven't bowed their knees to that false God. They're all with you. And I would remind you, even though it feels like you're alone, you're not. You're not. But sometimes we have to be able to stand alone. Now, number two, point number two. Heroes are willing to make sacrifices. They got to make sacrifices. Caleb and Joshua are willing to make sacrifices to be a part of that scout team that goes in to see what that land is like. And then when they come back out, guess what? They're willing to sacrifice their lives to go in and take that land and live into God's plan. You see, a lot of what makes a hero is when you're willing to sacrifice yourself for the sake of others or for the sake of God's glory. Truth is, a lot of people are willing to make sacrifices for themselves, but can you do it? Can you do it for God? Are you willing to make sacrifices for other people? You know, I was thinking about this. Um, I, I think I showed this video a long time ago, and it's something that still sticks with me. I wanted to show it again if I did. Um, something good to be reminded of. Because, you know, oftentimes I think of athletes. Athletes um, are so good at being the best they can be, but most of the time when they're trying to be the best they can be, they're doing it for themselves, right? They train, exercise, negotiate this contract. You know, not all of them, but most of the time, you know. They, they want to be the best. They're doing it for themselves. Every now and then, though, you find an athlete or a group of athletes, that are willing to look for the opportunity to step outside themselves and serve others. And I found this video clip a long time ago of this basketball team in El Paso, Texas. That was such a good example of this. Y'all watch. Team manager Major Mitchell Marcus has a developmental disability. One, two, three, four. And he far surpasses everyone here when it comes to love of the game. And because basketball is that important to him, on the last game of the regular season, the coach told Mitchell to suit up. What was it like to put on the uniform? I was very happy. I bet you were. Just wearing a jersey was enough for Mitchell. But what he didn't know, what no one knew at the time, was that the coach planned to play him. At the end, no matter what the score. You were prepared to lose that game. For his moment, yes. And so with a minute and a half left, Coronado leading, but only by 10, Coach Morales put in his manager. And just started hearing Mitchell, Mitchell. But here's where the fairy tale fell apart. Although his teammates did everything they could to get Mitchell a basket, each time they passed him the ball, he either missed the shot or, like on their last possession, booted it out of bounds, turning the ball over to the other team with just seconds left. What happened next happened on the inbound. The guy with the ball there is a senior at Franklin High School. Jonathan did was yell out Mitchell's name, then threw the ball right to it, right there. One of the most memorable turnovers of all time. It wasn't the game-winning shot. When the buzzer sounded, Coronado had 15 more points than Franklin. But Jonathan's assist and Mitchell's basket did change the outcome decidedly. Play any game with this much sportsmanship. Both teams win. I love stories like that. Basketball court filled with heroes that day on both sides. A coach willing to lose the game if necessary to make sure Mitchell got a shot. His teammates not thinking of themselves, not trying to take the shot, passing it to Mitchell over and over and over again to give him an opportunity. And then when it never happened, an opposing team who actually gave him the last shot. 
of the game. You know, Jesus said these words in Matthew 20. He says, if you want to be great, if you want to be great, if you want to be a hero, if you want to make a difference, you got to learn to be the servant of all the others. You see, the world around us, that's not what we're taught, though. At an early age, everything is taught to look out for ourselves, that we need to get ahead because you deserve it. But God, God says something completely different. He says you want to be great, you want to be remembered, you want to be a hero to your family, to those around you, then you got to sacrifice what you want. you got to serve God, you got to serve others. Point number three is that heroes are willing to take a risk for God too. you got to be willing to take a risk. Caleb and Joshua are willing to take a risk and move forward. Heroes defy the odds, and they're the ones, they're the ones that are willing to step out on faith. They don't let fear stop them from going out on a limb. They risk rejection and criticism. Why Why aren't we willing to risk more? You know why we don't risk as much? Is because we're afraid afraid of two things. One, we're afraid of being hurt and we're afraid of being uncomfortable. We want to be comfortable in life. So that's why we play it safe. But you know what? A safe life is often a wasted life. For example, if you never open up yourself to the possibility of being hurt, you'll never be able to know the real meaning of love. Or if you never open up yourself to being uncomfortable, you'll never know your full potential. In fact, you can look at all the examples of the heroes in faith in Scripture, and you'll see for those people, it wasn't easy. It never was easy. It wasn't comfortable. And it was oftentimes painful, but what God does is he uses that. He uses those moments to grow those people and to push them forward and to strengthen them so that they can become great heroes of faith. The the best example of this was Paul. Paul Paul dedicated his life to spreading the gospel all over the Roman Empire. That was his goal. And so in 2 Corinthians, he's, he's recanting everything that's happened to him and everything that he's had to go through. And he mentions this, and he, you can read this later, it's in 2 Corinthians 11, but he says he's been put in prison and he's whipped and he's faced death and he's been beaten with rods and stoned and shipwrecked. He went cold, hungry, and thirsty. All because, he says, all because he risked. He took a risk for Jesus. And honestly, when Paul writes this stuff, and when I read these stories of great heroes of faith, man, it it makes me realize that being a Christian isn't for wimps, right? Not real Christianity. And the fact is, is that Jesus risks so much for us. And that's why we should put ourselves out there for him. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul puts it this way. He says, why do you think I keep risking my neck in this dangerous work of spreading the gospel when he's being persecuted? He says this, it's the resurrection. It's the resurrection, resurrection, always the resurrection that undergirds everything that I say and the way that I live. I love this. Why do I risk it? It's because of what Jesus has done for me. It's because of the promise. The promise that no matter what happens in this life, that I've been saved from my sin, and that I'll be resurrected with him. So can I challenge you today? Take a stand and make your life count. Lay it on the line. Lay it on the line for the resurrection. Because Jesus says, man, if you want to keep your life, you lose it. It's not always, we're not meant to play it safe, not always. But if you give up your life, 
for the sake of the gospel. Jesus says in Mark 8, he says, that's where you'll find true life. So let me finish this story out, these two heroes. Did you know that because Joshua and Caleb were the only ones willing to stand up, because of their courage, they were the two that God allowed to enter the promised land. Many years later, they're the ones, they're the ones that got to lead the Israelites into the new home and they became the heroes that we still talk about today. You see, our world needs more examples like this and I believe that every person in here is hero material because, again, it's a choice and the, the, little, the little choices add up. It just builds and builds and builds and builds, and it's all up to you. And maybe you feel like your life so far has kind of let you down, and there's not really much going on that's really good or really significant. Well, you're in luck because God specializes in turning zeros into heroes. That's how it works. You don't believe me? Read every story in the Bible that deals with anybody, and you'll see that God turned those lives around. God never... Calls the equipped, he equips the called, right? So the choice is ours. We need heroes to look up to. When I'm gone, I want to be known as a hero of faith. So are you willing to stand alone and go against the flow? Are you willing to make sacrifices for the sake of God, for the sake of others? Are you willing to step out and take a risk for something you know God's calling you to do? I hope so. Because this city, this community, your family, this church, we need heroes to look up to. Let's pray. God, we give ourselves to you. God, we want to be used by you for your glory. God, we want to make our lives count. And we know that we have the ability to make those choices each and every day. And God, we know that just the smallest decisions to live for you add up and make a difference. So God, help us. Help us be willing to take a stand for what we believe in. But God, help us to do it with love and grace. And God, help us to make sacrifices to put others ahead of ourselves, their needs, their wants, but also to put you ahead of us. And God, help us to take a risk, God, to step out on faith because it's in those... God, it really is. It's in those confusing, sometimes painful and uncomfortable moments where we grow the most. So Jesus, I just pray that this church and every person in here would have a desire to leave a legacy, to be someone that others can look up to, to be those great heroes of faith. God, we're all capable of it. You want to do that through us. So God, we thank you for loving us. And we thank you for using us for your glory. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.